Hi there, and welcome to Headcanon. I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. And this is episode 10. We've done 10 of these already. We're doing Catching Fire, or The Hunger Games, colon, Catching Fire. I'm still not sure how I want to title this. I guess we'll find out. Mm. Anyway, second movie in The Hunger Games quadrilogy, directed by Francis Lawrence, a different director, shockingly, uh, written by Simon Beaufoy and Michael Arndt. Michael Arndt, Little Miss Sunshine, and part of The Force Awakens. Yeah, Michael Arndt, probably best known now for getting in a draft on The Force Awakens before getting booted off by J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan. And Simon Beaufoy, probably most well-known for doing the full Monty. Mm. Interesting writing credits, but um, I'd, I'd say upgrades all around. Mm. This was released the 22nd of November 2013, about 18 months after the first Hunger Games movie. Which was, I think, the claim for why Gary Ross departed, right? Sure. The tight schedule. I, I, I just really wonder, like, would they have actually allowed him to do another one? I don't know. Because like, he, he like claims that like he begged off. It's like, sure he did, buddy. I believe it when uh when a Quran says it's not enough time, because I mean the qualities there on the screen. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it when Gary Ross says it. How much time did he have for the first one? Like two minutes? <laughs> anyway, uh Catching Fire. How how shall we begin? You want to do your opening statement? Uh sure. I uh I'd say so. You know, coming out of the first one, I would have preferred to watch Jim Cotta than the first Hunger Games movie again. <laughs> to be fair, Jim Cotta is awesome. Jim Cotta is goddamn amazing. Um, but I was looking forward to this one uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, reason number one is Jenna. Reason number two is Malone. Um, it's nice just in general, like following Harry Potter, though, to have a movie that's more of like this female lead. It's slightly feminist leaning. Um, it's makes me, this movie makes me appreciate it. When I think about things like, uh, the maze runner, mm, yeah. it's like just complexity is drained out and the quality comes along with it. Um, it's, it's, it's a much better movie than the, than the, the, the first one. It's, it's funny to compare these, like when we just did like the Harry Potter movies where they each have their own kind of life. And, and different aspects as they're progressing the story. And this one, it only kind of does. I mean, it, they're doing a good job at least of making these feel like maybe like one long story in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have a lot of just little thoughts here and there. Uh, nothing, nothing big to articulate, but I'm just so glad <laughs> it's not anything like the first one. So glad Gary Ross is gone and they have like real screenwriters. Yeah. Well, uh, the first shot of this movie is a long, steady cam helicopter shot of the woods. It feels like an apology. <laughs> um, this movie's it's such a huge improvement over the first one, like every single possible way. Mm. Katniss actually has, uh, she feels like a real character this time. She has a personality. Jennifer Lawrence is way better. The actor's allowed to act. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she has a real character arc. Um, I like how she's kind of basically, she's changing from somebody who wants to protect her loved ones to somebody who kind of wants to fight the Capitol. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like it's kind of reversed at the end where it's like that all comes at the cost of her like completely mistrusting all her allies in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they do a great job of introducing a lot of the other new characters and just everyone has so much more charisma and there's like humor and the whole world just feels more vibrant. Uh, and I think they do a really interesting way 
uh, really interesting job how they, they use a lot of these new characters to kind of externalize Katniss's inner monologue, mm-hmm. which is really smart. Um, and I don't know what you thought about this, but I feel like there's a whole narrative, uh, meta narrative in this movie about like the sequel being bigger and better. And like the characters within the movie are now celebrities, just like the actors are now celebrities. I don't know. It's, it's a kind of fun way to think about the, the production of this, you know, like oh, yeah, the, they're, they're asked to, to comment on their own legend mm-hmm. at times. Yeah. I like that. It's definitely an example of a movie learning or a franchise learning from everything that was wrong yeah. about the previous one. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's, it's not a perfect film or anything, but I feel like as an ad- adaptation, it's about as good as you could ever ask for Like, you know, like adapting the source material. Uh, the plot is kind of deliciously shameless in the way that like everything, everything depends on Katniss's love life basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like this is the movie, this is the difference between treating source material seriously and acting serious about source material. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at the heart of it, it's like Francis Lawrence, he understands he's making entertainment here. Um, the same kind of sick and twisted entertainment that the hunger games are. He's not acting like, like the the hunger like the books are somehow like like he has to comment and be too serious about everything you know right right they want to bring the material to the screen well they're ya dystopian airport paperback thrillers yeah Mm -hmm. yeah he's not acting like he's too good for it which i felt like some of the quotes from gary ross he kind of got that vibe from him Mm -hmm. oh we don't want to glamorize the violence in this movie even though it's like that's like a huge you know appeal to it at the base level that is the, the central conceit of the movie. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, get into our, our top three moments. Any any honorable mentions? Uh, honorable mention. I just like. I don't want. I don't think this was in the book. Hmm. I could be wrong. You just read the books more recently than I have. Um, there's a bit where like they're smart about playing with what they have. I thought when they're on the train and they see the graffiti, the odds are never in our favor. Oh yeah. I thought that was like clever because it was like. I feel like the first movie was shackled by there was no originality that wasn't present from the book. It was just more about the creative types, I say in quotes, watering down the source material to something more bland. Mm-hmm. And this one, it was like they they were able to expand a little bit, have a little fun and see if we could push it. And I just thought that was a, a, a clever play on like what they're building up as their, one of their catchphrases, you know. Yeah, I do think you can definitely point to things in this movie that improve on what's in the book. And I don't think you could point to any of that. In the last one, mm-hmm. um, honorable mention for me is just Gale when he's moaning in pain after that whipping. Uh, <laughs> like, there's nothing like manly or brave about it. He's just whimpering. Yeah, uh, I don't like Gale. He's I don't know if he's supposed to be brave or stupid, or if that's his thing. Is that he he just walks that fine line or, or charges people through that fine line? Yeah. Well, to, to be failed to Gale, and I don't know if they fully capture this in the movie, but in the book. He's very calculating. He's very much like he has like a rebellious heart. Like he he wants to fight the capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, Katniss and, and Peta never really wanted that in the same way he did. Um, but he mostly just comes off as a romantic foil. Well, I think she's also smart about what does that cost mm-hmm. on a personal level? Like throwing yourselves on basically those munitions like you're not you're not going to like like you Gale are not going to be an effective fighter like your family's going to die you know and i don't i don't know if he ever gets that um anyway so my number 3 moment is actually when she has to do her uh her her solo uh 
skill testing thing. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the Seneca Crane dummy, and then her her delicious like um like bowing exit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, oh, it's like it's like has so much more verve in this. But it was like finally they made fucking like their stuff in the first movie, like Seneca Crane. They made that finally worthwhile <laughs> in his fucking weird facial hair. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, my number three, and I know you, we were arguing about this last night, but I'm throwing it here. I really like the whole conversation between Katniss and Hamish. Or I'm sorry, Katniss and Hamish after she finds out she's going to have to go back into the games. And uh, uh, Hamish is saying, you know, you could love that. Or you could live 100 lifetimes and never deserve that boy. And I really like when Katniss says, come on, Hamish, nobody decent ever wins the games. <laughs> uh, and he's like, nobody ever wins games, period. Like, I always like that distinction. And they, it's like, Katniss and Hamish, they they understand each other. They're they're kind of horrible people on some level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Peta kind of like won the games by default, mm-hmm. you know, just he kind of got lucky with the exception that was made. But like Katniss and Hamish, they're two people who they they actually won it uh, by by doing the you know the dirty things he had to do to win. Well, they celebrate and also chide each other for that. Like mm-hmm. his his great line, I think at the start of that scene is like. What does it mean that like uh, <laughs> Peter was here a half an hour after that announcement? You're here like a day later or whatever. Yeah. Um, my number two is uh, uh, just her scene. I was surprised, like again coming out of the first movie, how much I liked her first scene with Snow. Like, yeah. Let's save time, not lying. And basically, I lo- like Donald Sutherland nails the like. I don't want you to convince them. I want you to convince me. He's so much better in this movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's this is this is a movie where I felt like the first movie, the adults were the best part, mm-hmm. and this one, the kids, for lack of a better term, are good too. You have some great adult shit, like you have some real thespians like knocking out of the park, and then like you're showing why Jennifer Lawrence is is a rising star as an actor, or mm-hmm. you know, not just a star, but like as an actor, like the, the way she can mix it up in that scene with Donald Sutherland is fantastic. Well, in that scene with Snow, like, there's there's definitely a coldness to him, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he feels more human. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's he's a little, like, warmer. Like, he smiles and jokes a little bit. He still feels, like, super dangerous, maybe even more dangerous. Mm-hmm. But I think he comes off as a more well-rounded character. He's not, like, in the last one, he's just kind of, like, mean brooding guy. Also, I hope that never in my lifetime does anybody market those fucking TVs they have. Oh, These TVs feel worse than the vertical TVs from the first movie to me. I, I disagree with that. The vertical aspect ratio to me is inexcusable. Mm. I mean, I think they just need some some like white walls to put those up on. Yeah, that would help. I would help. I mean, it's it's a weird thing because it's like it's projecting light like a hologram. So there's no real like bottom shape. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just curve yeah. up from either side. It looks really bizarre to me wouldn't want to watch a movie like that especially since you see that not only do they have cameras everywhere at bizarre angles but for some of the shit they they shoot in like super high d or hd mm-hmm. um anyway, what's your number two uh my number two is hamage doing the rundown of all the victors mm-hmm. kind of like after you know they're in the training center and whatnot i just thought that whole sequence was excellent and it was like wow you really could have used this in the first movie right like now like you you are establishing all these characters like we we have names for the faces. We know who they are. We know like a little bit about their skill set. Like it feels kind of like a, a TV show you'd be watching, where you, you know you kind of know the competitors, the mm-hmm. combatants there. Like it was just a really excellent way to bring in all these new characters and kind of catch us up to speed. And it, it made the games 
feel a lot more interesting because we knew who these people were. Two things. It's uh, extra menacing that one of the the rival career tributes or whatever is mm-hmm. called Cashmere. That's that's scary. Um, it's that's more scary than like glitter or glimmer or whatever or thresh. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I like Hamish's constant like. Uh, no, that's a shame. She's actually a really sweet person. Yeah, yeah, I I love that moment from him. That's probably the best part of that whole scene. You know, it's it's like these are these are actually human beings, and, and Hamish knows them all. He's he's friends with them all. He's known them for a long time. Well, and it's it's a nice continuation of the. Uh, like you never get off the train. Mm-hmm. You're always going to be on this train. The rest of your- it makes me wonder though, like what is the communication like for normal people or for even like lifelong tributes post games? Presumably I mean- they, I, they have phones. They, they don't, they don't mention that in the movie, but they do have phones. So I, I think she's able to call Cinna. So presumably they could call each other. Okay. Although Hamish does not have a phone. He like ripped his out or something. Um, but mm-hmm. Theoretically, the tributes or the victors could call each other. Okay. Uh, so what is your... You, you did two, right? You're on one? Yeah, I'm on number one. Yeah. So let me pull up the exact line of dialogue. It's when President Snow and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman have their chat. And mm. uh, first of all, huge upgrade from West PSH. Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> He's he's amazing, and I, I think we were talking about yesterday. His performance here really reminds me of uh, his performance as the villain in Mission Impossible Three. Uh, it's that same level of low key where he's not giving you a ton, but you're very aware that there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, so as he's explaining like what they need to do, like shutting down the black markets, more flogs, more executions, and Snow is like, "Fear's not going to work if there's hope." And Pluto comes me. He comes back with, "She's engaged. Make everything about that." What kind of dress is she going to wear? Floggings. What's the cake going to look like? Executions. Who's going to be there? Fear. Blanket coverage. Shove it in their faces. Show them that she's one of us. Yes. They're going to hate her so much they might just kill her for you. And then, like, Donald Sutherland takes the words out of my mouth. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman is so good. The The way he delivers it with just the right amount of, like, a, a lack of uh, emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he he's he never oversells it. It just kind of sits there. God, it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely that that would have made my honorable mentions. Um, but I, I suspected you might mention it. I'm really curious how they're going to like. I know that he wasn't quite finished with Mike and Jay Part Two, so I'm mm-hmm. kind of curious what was left. I honestly, I'm rereading Mike and Jay right now. I, I'm in the beginning part of it. I don't even remember what happens to his character, so right. I guess we'll have to see. But. Yeah, he. It, it's really too bad that he died because he's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number one, uh, Joanna Mason's entrance in the elevator scene. Yeah, I see. Uh, it's I just hilarious. I feel like I kind of saved her from my top three moments because mm-hmm. I feel like you're going to get so tired of me hearing me praise Jenna Malone <laughs> in this podcast. Well, to me, I mean, she's she's great in that scene, but I think what really allows it to be hilarious is that. Katniss, like I feel like they're letting a little bit of Jennifer Lawrence bleed into Katniss in those scenes because mm-hmm. it's it's hilarious just like oh, watching face. the expressions on her face. It's like Peta is kind of kind of like he's he's like you know it's the tits in front of him. He's trying not to check a uh, Jenna Malone out, but he's you know intrigued and I think uh, Hamish there is just like basically like you know looking Jenna or uh, uh, Joanna Mason up and down, and Katniss is just like Ugh, like boys, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, she's so good. <laughs> just and like, she, it's like, like sneers. She's just like, ugh. She is such, like, she's the most surprising aspect of the movie to me because, like, she's a former child actor who kind of went a little, like, off the rails, like, a little off the reservation, it seems like, from typical Hollywood standards. So casting her, to me, seems like probably the bravest choice. I feel mm-hmm. like I would not be shocked if Francis Lawrence had to kind of fight for that a little bit. Apparently, Kristen Bell wanted that role. Kristen, I mean, it's I can't even comprehend because I remember Joanna from the book vaguely. I, I'm sure that any any actor you put in that role would have done something different just mm-hmm. because there's so much room to have. Like, there's no like to me like clearly defined take on Joanna from the books except that she's like you know not Katniss's best friend. Yeah. Well, and uh, Jenna Malone has always seemed like she's had a little bit of an edge to her, and I think that really helped in a role like this. But I feel like. You could almost you could make a meta argument that maybe she's bottling up a lot of her uh, her, her rage at not mm-hmm. getting roles like she should. And yes, you know, <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, like after this movie came out, I'm like, okay, so Jenna Malone's gonna be the breakout like star of this, right? But she hasn't done much since then. I don't know why. That's shocking. I mm-hmm. think she, and we saw the trailer yesterday before Spectre. Isn't she bald in the new one? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't remember. I I just I think that. I think the nice thing about her too is is one of the things that works is since she's not like one of your your typical starlets, like mm-hmm. she's allowed to be a little braver. She's allowed yeah. to, to do things that Jennifer Lawrence wouldn't be allowed to do. Um God, she's good. Fuck. Yeah. Um I just have to say too, like I I really appreciate that they toned down a little bit of the Lady Gaga fashion in the Capitol. Like they took it from like Lady Gaga down to like slightly Willy Wonka. To slightly like touch of old school Billy Corgan. Yeah, I have some comments on that later about the fashion in general. But yeah, like with Effie Trinket, for instance, I feel like they they tone it down just a little bit. Like her face isn't quite as like like pancake white makeupy this right. time. You know, it's 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 still like she's a little crazy looking, but a little more restrained. Just a, just a touch. Well, it's like a, they took Elizabeth Banks aside and they were like, okay, Liz. You know, you just did the first movie. You're about to do Pitch Perfect. You're about to be a director on your own. What if we did the same stuff of Effie Trinket, but we also allowed her to be a human being? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, All right. So complaints. Any any complaints? Um, it's not a horrible scene, but I feel like the scenes of Snow and his granddaughter talking about hairstyles <laughs> is screenwriter 101. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like, well, he's not going to have Seneca Crane to talk to anymore, so he's going to have like his granddaughter like saying things that constantly make him grind his teeth. Yeah, what's well, like, it's supposed to articulate and be exemplifying his his issue, but it's like it makes me feel like the old war is more about being pissed off that his granddaughter idolizes. Yeah, this girl from this dirt poor town. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so honorable mention: uh, Cornucopia, still not gold. Nope. Still, 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 still annoying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my number three complaint. I feel like they kind of oversold Katniss's romantic feelings towards Gale a little bit, like to play up the love triangle. Mm-hmm. Maybe it works. I guess I felt like Peta felt like he, he had the volume turned down on him a little bit too much. Like when when she runs out into the woods after the quarter quell announcement and she finally figures it out and she's like, Peta. I was like, whoa, where did that come from? You know, like, it doesn't seem like we'd really, like, thought much about Peta at that point in the movie. And, like, right. suddenly she's concerned about him after being pretty romantic with Gail. I don't know. I felt like the mix was slightly off there. 
one of the things that I feel like uh, I know this is like source material, but I, it it's missing. The only my issue, like we talked about a lot about the inner monologue in the first one, um, you get a lot more. You understand a lot more. I think the uh, the two of them sleeping in the same bed mm-hmm. um, than you do in this one. It, it like it could have been sold a little more to help solidify her concerns about him. I think. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh... I have a comment on that, but before I, I get to my number two, you got any others? No, no, that's that's pretty much it. Okay. I have, uh, I have so, a lot of snarky comments. Yeah, I mean, my complaints are minor. Um, the That particular scene where she's like, Peta, will you stay with me? I felt like that was a little too direct. Um, it almost would have been better as if, like, really she just, like, called Peta's name and then just kind of, like, allow them to communicate through some eye chatter and body language what she wants mm-hmm. and just have them come back right. or something, something like that. Like, I, I felt like allow the actors to kind of do the the work there rather than just like saying, will you stay with me? You know? Well, I think you, you play her body language, very stiff, very rigid until he slides into the bed. And then you have her just kind of collapse, like head against his chest, holding him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, well, like it, as soon as he's there, you have her like show that that's exactly what she's looking for. It seemed like they needed one more scene of her in like sleeping in bed with him, like waking up, from a nightmare and him like kind of like calming her down something like that like at least one more like you know in, in the montage or something like that because it it was like they really just showed that one bit and then didn't follow up on it really well the editing too i said the ptsd aspect of it is very interesting she hallucinates dennis quaid's son <laughs> before all, she shoots the always arrow. a bad sign yeah oh uh, <laughs> also how does katniss know how to swim oh um because there's a lake Oh, okay. Uh, no, the question is, how does Peta know how to swim? He do, he doesn't know how to swim in the book. Katniss oh. knows how to swim. There's a, a lake out when they're hunting that they swim in, so she she knows how to swim. Also, that baker's boy is full of bread. He'll just mm-hmm. float. Yeah. Uh, and then my my one complaint, this is really just it's more of a source material thing. Um, the whole uprising, mm-hmm. it does kind of make you wonder about the the reality of this entire world that's been set up. Mm-hmm. Like, could you really subjugate people for 75 years like this? I don't think so. Like, the capital doesn't seem particularly savvy about how to keep their populace happy. Like, Snow's right. just like, Fuhrer doesn't work, but it's like, well, what else do you guys do? What What do you even do, like, in the capital? You just, like, watch the Hunger Games all day long? Like, what is what is day-to-day life like in the capital when the Hunger Games are not happening? I would almost like, is suggest... Like, is there a monetary system? Are there rich and poor people in the capital? Like, it, well, there's clearly money. Well, I think this is the the danger when you expand a world that kind of hangs thinly for a high concept is that it's kind of like in the Matrix where like you start thinking about it a little bit too much, and the, the seams start to show. I think. I think I think the general idea of this world maybe holds up a lot better than say like the Divergent world, where yeah. it's like during the credits you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, I would have almost suggested they go the other way. I get where being hungry and like being fed is a huge motivator. You wouldn't think that from the first movie called The Hunger Games, but I could get where that's a huge motivator. But what if you go the opposite way and go like the Wally route, where the populace is all fat, mm. and that's how you you feed yeah. them, rather than like going the full on like Roman bacchanal route, where it's like, oh, then you drink this one and you vomit up the food, then you eat more. <laughs> And then you do 20 minutes redoing your makeup. Yeah, yeah. It's you, you just start to wonder a little bit, like, could you actually, like, keep people 
this oppressed for this long and like just maybe if they you know murdering them. their innocent children once a year for so many years yeah maybe if they w- without doing them. without a little bit of a carrot i guess it's like you, you only see the stick from the capital yeah yeah well and it's funny we talked about money in the harry potter too where does the winnings like the financial winnings that go to like katniss and Peeta and hamish where does that go well, they have there's some sort of money I know in the books, you know, because she's, I mean, she's always like, "Oh, I have more money than I need now." But are they is like Hamish buying his whiskey from the black market? Yeah, yeah. Where does the black market money then go? Like, Presumably, I mean, there's like like Peta is a capital? baker, and so the bakers that's like a legitimate business that's buying and selling and whatnot. Yeah, but like, I I don't know. Somehow there's there's money in the local economy. Is it is it worth the same value in the capital? Yeah, I mean, and so is the mayor of District 12 elected, or is he just like the Vici-appointed tool? Well, the 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 mayor's daughter is a character in the books, Madge. Right. Um, but yeah, they, you don't really get any of that. The well, movie. they should have done more with the uh, uh, original previous like head peacekeeper in District 12 before mm-hmm. they bring in Thread. It's Thread, right? Yeah. Which that guy, holy shit. That guy is like Ken De Laurentiis's like more hardcore <laughs> brother. Wait, give me that glass of piss. I suppose we should just move right into the source material discussion. One thing I, I did like in the book was uh, when they bring in like whimpering Gale there uh, after his whipping, and Katniss's mom is like the healer; she's gonna do what she can. And all Hamish has to tell her is he's just like new head, and like that explains everything to her, like new head peacekeeper. Because it's like, oh yeah, they've they've been living for you know four decades probably. They they know about like the good and the bad times, like dealing with the capital. Like mm-hmm. that's all. That's all he needs to say to her, and she's like, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Also, if uh, Gail had gotten whipped in the summertime, he'd be fucked. <laughs> um, if you if you hadn't read the book, I'm not sure still of some of these details would translate. Maybe much more so than like the previous movie going in but like don't think that we're gonna be podcasting and not mention that they got the cat right oh yeah yeah they got the cat right Uh, not that the cat has a whole lot to do with the movie but it's like they specifically want to show you we actually got the right fucking cat this time Peta did seem a little bit more bitter at first than in the book like he's he's very stiff and stilted with her um but yeah, I just I love that the whole plot of this movie hangs on like who who Katniss chooses. It's it's like a really twisted love triangle where like she doesn't want to choose Peta because like you know Gail is kind of like who she assumed would be her relationship, and he wants it. Mm. But like she kind of like she wants to run away with him, but that's the opposite of what he wants, which he wants to rebel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then it's like that kind of messes up their relationship. But then by by doing what she does with Peta, that only makes her want Gail more. Like it's just really weird and twisted. Well, so in the the gutter street fight that is young adult literature, mm-hmm. uh, that that drawer on the bottom that so many people confuse to be a toilet. When you have like Suzanne Collins versus Stephanie Meyer, I think the smart thing here is is thanks to people like Stephanie Meyer pushing like oh, you have to have this like three way love triangle. Like, you have to have this, otherwise <laughs> you don't have anything. I feel like Susan Collins was smart to like. Let me turn that weakness into a strength, and that is like what so much of the book will hang on, and it, mm-hmm. it becomes it becomes not just like fandom issues; it becomes political. Yeah, um, the movie definitely like could have had more moments like flashy, showing off Katniss and Peter's fake romance, and then cut back to Gale cleaning the dirt poor <laughs> shit off his hands. 
I did feel like they they needed a scene of like Peta helping out with Gale uh, when he's injured because that yeah. that's kind of where like well, they he's, a, he's officially kind of showed that like he's he's not going to get in the way of this basically you know yeah they have him watching I think yeah um the the sores in Snow's mouth is that revealed in this book? There's like vague mentions of like the weird blood thing like, I I. Even in the books, like, I don't know what the fuck that's even supposed to mean. He's just well, like, he's so weird that he has like weird blood sores in his well, mouth. Well, it's like, that's why he surrounds himself with roses mm-hmm. to hide the smell of like the sores in his mouth. It's like the sores are from something he's doing or ingesting or whatever. But it's like, it doesn't, that, that scene doesn't fully trust. It is, attractive. it is definitely chilling though, mm-hmm. as he spits up blood into his glass. Yeah. So I have, I have a world building question here. Okay. Why do they have to take the train everywhere when they have hovercrafts? Seriously. Is that just like you're you're not even good enough for hovercrafts? You just take the train? Because the train, I guess, like runs in like a big spiral to go to all the districts or something. Yeah, I wonder. I guess I wonder, again, like the, the geographic location of all the districts and how mm-hmm. that works out. Like where is District 13 on a map? Um. I think it'd be like east of the Appalachians, I guess. Um, I, like on the east coast somewhere. I'm fascinated. Well, I mean, like I was fascinated in the first one with how does the train work? Is it all computerized? And here it's like you see that there are capital like personnel on yeah. board other than just like people without tongues serving you more food. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's cool. That's interesting. If the information is that sensitive, why do you have the fucking door open in the first place? Yeah. Are they always listening in? Like, can you make plans? Can you have conversations? Can PETA actually effectively ask Katniss her favorite color without Snow potentially knowing about it? My headcanon for that scene when they have the, the doors cracked is they wanted to listen in. They're kind of curious about the, the drama between Katniss and PETA. So they, they it's cracked like, don't it. they have cameras everywhere? Yeah. Uh, but then that just makes me wonder, you know, with Hovercross and whatnot, like, what's Europe up to right now? Yeah, seriously. He's like, man, those fucking Americans. Thank God we, like, you know, barricaded the coast and won't let those guys out. Well, for reals, everyone mm-hmm. in Europe is speaking Mandarin at this yeah. point. Um, well, I mean, is it just like, is like Peacekeeper Gary saying to Peacekeeper John, like, uh, you know, we have all this technological equipment in this room. It's fucking stuffy. They could have put an air conditioner. Prop open mm-hmm. the door. <laughs> Let's watch some like, top, secret, top secret news feeds and just get some air in here because I'm sweating, dude. I mean, like, uh, this outfit, it's just really packing in the flavor. You know what I mean? Sweat-tastic. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, like, the scenes with Snow and Plutarch, those aren't in the books. Like, the raid in the hob, you just see from afar. But they feel worth it in a way the stuff with Seneca did not. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, it's, I think it, 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 it supports Katniss's character rather than feeling like the filmmakers are bored with her character. Right, you know, right. Rather than be like, oh, let's go see what the adults are doing. It's all, all the like, like, uh, Plutarch Heavensby there. A lot of his dialogue is kind of like voicing Katniss's internal fears. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's what she's assuming the Capitol is probably doing. And so Which everything kind of directs back onto Katniss's character, like all these, you know, extra scenes without her, rather than just seeming like the filmmakers are more interested in like the other plot lines happening. I would have loved it too if they played it more like just a touch more like you could you could almost interpret this as her imaginings mm. um i also like again philip seymour hoffman he's like guys i'm gonna tell you right now i'm a really good actor you could make my character's name even more ridiculous 
and I will still actor the shit out of it. I can't get enough. Every time somebody says Plutarch Heavensby. Plutarch Heavensby. Plutarch Heavensby. Yeah. Just keep saying that over and over again. We like what do they what do they, like these call him like Plu for short? Like what is he what is he to his friends? Yeah, I don't know. Like, Tark. <laughs> we were talking yesterday about the line that we both love, which was uh Seneca decided to uh stop breathing. Well the way he says that. Um, and she's just like Yeah <laughs> shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else we got source material wise um so in the book katniss is kind of guessing but is never sure that the quarter quell rules were made just for her like because mm-hmm. they had this whole ceremony where like a kid brings out a box to president snow that was like theoretically they wrote all these rules down for each quarter quell like you know 75 years ago when they first made the games and so it's like oh look at that how convenient uh, but this it definitely seems like they're obviously changing the rules just for katniss it would be frustrating to me if I'm just some capital rube, because I get the idea is it's like it's it's the all star team, mm-hmm. but like you can still volunteer from the all star roster. That seems dumb. Well, just the reaping's just from the victors. I uh, yeah, I guess. I just I mean I I get that Katniss is screwed. She's the only female victor mm-hmm. district twelve, but it just seems it seems sucky for the others that you can volunteer. I I just you know give me the all stars. Well, I think they got the All Stars anyway. I want to, I, mean, I want to really like pull out like my murder baseball cards or whatever. Hmm. In the book, there's kind of a running side joke about all the other victors kind of fucking with Katniss because they think she's prudish, hmm. uh, which they th- it's there a little bit in this, like with what Joanna is doing and what Joanna's doing, but they never really comment on it. Like eventually, Katniss kind of asks Peta like, "What the fuck's going on?" and kind of laughs and tries to explain to her. Because like she wouldn't, she wouldn't cut away like his underwear basically in the in the first uh, book when mm-hmm. she's trying to heal him, and so it's like it's, she's kind of like a running joke among the other victors and whatnot because she's she's so prudish in a way, even though she's like you know mean badass Katniss, she's still like she's still very much a, a teenage girl. Finnick is interesting because on one hand he's seemingly in a committed relationship with a woman who's been like severely damaged by the games mm-hmm. on the other hand he's like sup katniss i fuck for information you know, i'm reading mockingjay right now and like the first few chapters it's like all he does is cry like he's so <laughs> mentally unstable that like even katniss can't be mad at him anymore she's like i can't be angry at anyone who cries that much <laughs> i don't recall that from the movie i guess i'll have to see when we watch I would, next week. yeah i would kill to have to see learn jennifer Lawrence actually say that out loud yeah. i remember mockingjay so all we're saying about Catching Fire and how much I enjoyed rewatching this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, when we when I went to go see Mockingjay Part One, you know, a year after seeing Catching Fire, and I saw Catching Fire in the theater when it first came out, I didn't remember a fucking thing from how that movie ended. How this movie mm-hmm. we're talking about ended, I really did. I mean, I knew the general basics that they escaped, that she was on her way to District Thirteen, but like when I think Mockingjay Part One, we'll find out in a week, starts of her like crying somewhere in District Thirteen. I had no idea. I was like, I don't even remember where the last movie left off. Yeah. Well, I remember, you know, I saw uh, Catching Fire here once in the theater when it first came out. And the only thing I remember my reaction was being like, "Ah, at least they like fucking like fixed the direction. You know, like I I remember thinking it was okay, but like not really having much of a memory. But when I rewatch it now, I'm like, man, this is like this is way better. Like this is maybe it's just having watched the first one recently. I just see how how big of an improvement it is. Yeah. Uh, And, and, you know, having read the book, it's like, yeah, you really did kind of nail 
the book. I mean, the book is not a masterpiece, but that's okay. You know, this is a good movie. It's a solid movie. Yeah, and from the director of Constantine. Mm-hmm. And uh, was it I Am Legend? And I Am Legend, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine if uh, Keanu was in this? Whoa. Can you imagine Keanu as... As Hamish? Uh, as Hamish, yeah. 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 Katniss, you could live a hundred lives and not be worthy of that boy. People keep asking me if I'm back. Uh, <laughs> did oh you my see God. his uh, his like People Twitter? Do uh, a Hunger Games with or uh, uh, yeah, Hunger Games with like the cast of John Wick. Just imagine Willem Dafoe as as President Snow. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. What were you saying? Uh, I was just saying, did you see uh, Keanu Reeves' Twitter where he like he came back to Twitter and like used that quote? It's great. Uh, anyway, back to Catching Fire. I think I'm going to go with the Hunger Games colon Catching Fire. That's where I am right now. We'll see where I am at the end of the podcast. I would just say Catching Fire. All right. Um, in the book, Katniss doesn't get to see what PETA did in his individual session with the game makers because they, they cover it up mm-hmm. uh, and she just hears about it. I think it probably works better the way it is in the movie here. Um, and this is because this is kind of where Katniss starts to fall for PETA. I don't know. I don't know if you get that as much in the movie because there's no you know, inter- internal monologue, but definitely in the book, like Peta's kind of uh willingness to be selfless is what attracts him to her. I think, mm-hmm. which is funny because Gail has a similar rebellious heart, but there's something more tactical and calculated with Gail that it just, it doesn't do it for her, whatever that is. Gail, Gail yeah. seems more interested in fighting and Peta seems more interested in uh, protecting, I guess maybe. Yeah, there's like honoring people. But there's also a narcissistic edge to Gale. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It's it's there's there's subtle manipulations. Well, the fucking like the kiss and then walk away. Yeah, like you know what you're doing, you fucking shithead. Yeah. Um, Let's see what else we got. You know, I was thinking it doesn't make a ton of sense that the stylist of all people is the one who gets to go with the tribute right up to when they enter the arena. Well, also. I get that he's befriended Katniss. I get that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, who is sending Peta off? It's Amish? stylist, I guess. No, like, no, isn't Cinna like both their stylists? No, 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 no. He has his own stylist. Peta Pita has his own stylist. Also, the uh, the assistants, like the fashion assistants or whatever, mm-hmm. their return means nothing in this movie because they were like non entities in the book or in the first movie. Um, they're much bigger characters in the books, right? Like when they show up in, in District 13 in the third one, it's like a, it's a much bigger deal, I thought. It is. Well, and in the second one, like. I don't remember their names, but. In, like, in, this, in Catching Fire, they basically, like, they start, like, crying when they see her because they're, you know, they don't want her to have to go back to the games. And so she, like, orders, you know, she basically tells Senna, like, I can't work with these people crying. It's going to, like, make me insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're. they're Obviously, in a movie, you can only do so much. So it makes sense that they kind of downplay those characters. That's uh, <laughs> that's Katniss's uh, kryptonite crying. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. Other human emotions. Yeah. Oh, just so thrilled to see Stanley Tucci again, by the way. Yeah, like I said, um, Peta in the book, uh, he he doesn't kill a guy during the bloodbath. He can't mm-hmm. swim. Finnick just has to go and like you know carry him over in the water. Mm. Um, I guess that was done to make Peta feel a little bit more actiony or something i don't know yeah some of the changes with Peta in this feel a little bit off um but he he's a tough character to nail down because a lot of it is just what katniss is thinking about him 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's like how much, how much of like the puppy dogness mm-hmm. can you stand? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's more of an inner monologue in the book. Katniss debating whether or not to trust Finnick and make alliances, which uh, I think they do some of that in the movie. But they, they do it okay, yeah. I guess. It's funny they they don't really touch on this much in the movie, but there's a lot of references in the book to people assuming that Katniss's constant emotional swings in the arena are because she's pregnant, mm. and it's like she just she kind of ha- like there's a you know a whole other you know essays and whatnot to write about the weird way like her body and her pregnancy gets used to like further their their propaganda basically it is genius though mm-hmm. um to to ha- to say that she's pregnant <laughs> well and then that's like she kind of she's able to get out of things and people are like oh in your condition let me take the lead and stuff like that when she's in the the games mm-hmm. and she never corrects him on it cuz she can't cuz everybody's watching well, that's another thing too. Is that so? The first movie indoctrinated us. That you have all these fucking people in a in a super control room, like building holographic dogs and mm-hmm. shit. And, and there's one person whose job is just to get a cannon ready. Um, but it's like, who actually controls the editing of footage together? Yeah, somewhere that, there's that like is a, a con- pretty involved control room of its own. I would think. <laughs> I did like to get the, get a cannon ready. That made it seem like he was actually running the games. Rather than the bullshit that Seneca was doing in the first one. Well, they both get to say that. Do they say that in the first one? Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember that. Yeah. Well, because it's like he says it to one person specifically. And I'm like, is that her sole job? Is she Let's just the cannon, cannon girl? She just hits a button. Boom. <laughs> oh, uh, there's the other guy. He just does the countdown. 50, 49. Yeah. Uh, last few things for the books. Um, Finnick and Mags do a hell of a lot of like weaving of nets and shit out of vines. Like, cause that's, you know, they're from the, the ocean district and so they're fishers. So they're always like weaving nets and like weaving little like cups of, out of vines and like weird stuff like that. You don't really see that in the movie. They're from the Trident district. Yeah. Well, that's his, his like attack move is not just the Trident, but he has like a net too. He like uses a net to like kind of, you know, slow people down and encumber them and then stabs them with his Trident. It's amazing that that guy doesn't like get cast in like an Aquaman TV show. <laughs> Yeah, and one last thing, book-wise. That Can you just work. imagine like the Arrow version of Aquaman? You have failed this ocean! Yeah. Katniss, when they're running from the fog, she carries Mags for a while. Oh. And uh, Peta's carried by Finnick until Katniss can't carry Mags anymore. It's, it's a little... I, I guess it makes sense to just kind of move that along a little quicker, but it is even more of like a, a tragedy there because it's like Katniss... You know, there's Finnick carrying Peta for her, and she can't she can't uh, carry Mags anymore. So, is she? I don't remember from the book. Is she mute or is she deaf or both? Mags? Yeah. Um, I think she talks a little bit. I can't remember entirely. Because like, it seems like in the movie, I was like trying to like narrow it down from her. Maybe she just doesn't talk. Yeah. It seems like in the movie she's mute, but not deaf unless i'm thinking like does she feel vibrations from some of the things that are coming because there's some of the things i want to say she just like out. makes weird noises to finnick or something like that they the were book. doing like sign language at one point mm-hmm. and i thought well if she's mute he she can hear him mm-hmm. but it's like she was looking at something they were all looking at in the arena and i thought well maybe she feels the vibrations i don't i'm pretty sure she's not deaf the I'm mute sure would make that. a lot of sense if like when she walks into the gas you don't hear her yeah. scream, which is even more chilling 
I want to say that actress played Golda Meir in Munich. Hmm. Okay. I think uh, it's Lynn Cohen is her name. I know that. I have not on IMDb that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on into the general discussion. Any any topics you want to bring out? Uh, the movie starts off like we're in Red Dawn, which is funny because that's the other Hemsworth brother. Well, you know the the way this movie starts off, it's like first shot, long steady cam shot. Mm-hmm. Second shot, a very nicely framed slow dolly dolly zoom in on Katniss from behind. Mm-hmm. Third shot, it's the main character of the movie and a very good long close up on her face. Um, she's doing like really interesting acting there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually see like her eyes. There's calculation in them now. Yeah, it seems it seems like she's thinking. Uh, there's like these facial tremors of sadness that she's fighting. Like it's like wow. Like immediately you're like I'm 30 seconds into this movie and it's already like completely better than the last one. You know, it's like everything you wanted to see. It's like yes, it's there's a tripod involved. You know, the camera's not all over the place. And here's our main character, and we're allowing her to act and see her emotions on her face. The first note in my stray musing sections is just one minute in, and J Law is allowed to do more interesting work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And oh, the second note: she's allowed to use her face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One thing I forgot to mention last time: this this series, this saga, falls into my my personal criteria for like uh, every good saga needs a camping or like travel sequence at some point. Hmm. And that's definitely in spades in these, you know, with all the hunger game stuff. I, uh, I almost like you could bullshit a narrative where like, cause I just used the word allow twice, like uh, where like Gary Ross or the producers are the president snow of the <laughs> production or the adaptation process of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh one other note too, just because I mentioned this on Twitter, I've I've always felt that crossbows are the weapons of villains, uh, and this almost always pans out. I feel like it's like a a bow and arrow is the obvious weapon of a hero. It's just way too cool. Robin Hood. Yeah. Whereas a crossbow always seemed like the kind of thing that uh, a less skilled person would use. Like it's kind of cheating, you know. It's like you just like point and shoot. It's like a gun. Whereas like a a bow and arrow, it seems to take a lot more talent. Also, if I could quote Joffrey Baratheon, first of his name, if I was any more in bread, I would be a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Game of Thrones books do have a lot Does more fun. Does he say fun. that? No. I don't think he says that. <laughs> the Game of Thrones books do have a lot more fun stuff of him just being a little asshole with his crossbow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think about how many times you see a hero use a crossbow. It's pretty rare. I mean, Buffy uses them occasionally. Tyrion kills his father with one that's not particularly heroic. Um, right. Usually the villains are the ones with the crossbows and they always miss the first shot and then they get shot by the dude with the bow and arrow when they're trying to reload. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, even even Hawkeye is more of a hero mm-hmm. than his bow and arrow. He may not believe that the lady should get paid as much as he does, but uh, he's, he's using exactly say that, weapon of heroes. Yeah. Um, I just like the fact that this is a movie where, where one of your action heroines gets to use an axe and she loves her axe too. He's from the lumber district. Yeah. <laughs> I think she has like, like dual hatchets or something in the book. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's some throwing of that, that axe going. Well, she definitely throws the axe in the mm-hmm. movie. Well, I love the, her, her being blase about like someone's died. She doesn't really like them or whatever, but she's like, eh, they were from home. Mm-hmm. God, she's so good at this. I mean, like, can you imagine her as like, as Katniss? Jenna Malone. I mean, she's Maybe. obviously older than um I f- I feel like there's a little bit of faith from Buffy in her performance just a tad. 
Yeah, because she has to basically be Faith to mm-hmm. J Law's Buffy. Like, obviously, Jenna Malone is older than Jennifer Lawrence, but it's like she has that kind of youthful cuteness. Yeah, she still looks very young. Yeah. Um. So you were talking earlier with Gail and his like bullshit, like you know, kisses Katniss. Yep. At the beginning scene. What annoyed me about that is like Katniss, like she has to start explaining everything to him, but like, oh, it was only for the games, you know, and all this, you know, like it's the only reason I was kissing Peta, and it's like. You don't know this dude an explanation. You guys weren't a couple. Right. I don't know. Right. But I, I mean, I, going, I guess going back the, to the very first movie when he fucks up you like hitting that deer. Yeah. Well, I guess for the for the purposes of this movie, they wanted it to feel more like a love triangle because in the books, I, I never doubted that she would end up with Peta. Like it never seemed in question. So maybe they wanted you to question it a little bit more by making Katniss and Gale seem like more of a thing. Mm. Well, it's, you know, it's. It's how these things work too, and I think a lot of people willfully ignore that or not are not aware of it. We talk about this like the way people don't understand how TV works when we talk about PLL. But like in Twilight, you never really thought she was going to get with the werewolf. No, no. I mean, you might have hoped for, it, or maybe you were just hoping the guy would be shirtless again. But it's like you never really expected that, did you? And the same thing with Gale. I mean, you talk about. If you want to be kind to Gale, you'll say that a lot of his uh, aspects, his positive a- attributes, are ones that he shares with Katniss, which mm-hmm. is all the more reason why she's not going to end up with, with him. She's already got herself. She doesn't need any of these assholes, but she can take Peta at least. At least he can balance her out. Yeah. I did like at the end of that scene, there's a nice subtle bit where Katniss is kind of just like pondering what just happened there after that kiss, and she kind of touches her lips to the weird muffler sweater she's wearing mm-hmm. um which is i mean you can interpret that a lot of ways like does she want to kind of want to wipe the kiss off or her or her lips now cold because of that like i just thought it was a nice little moment where she kind of you know brushes her lips on the muffler mm-hmm. and then yeah yellow buttercup cat wow that wasn't so hard now was it it's like oh we can only get a black and white cat sorry Uh, the uh, scene where she goes to wake up Haymitch, uh-huh. a lot of that was like in one shot, which is nice. It's like really letting the actors inhabit the scene. It's just so refreshing to like have like the camera not like cutting all over the place, like like an insane person, right? Or just shaking mm-hmm. <laughs> about constantly, randomly cutting like behind people's shoulders and like weird odd angles. Yeah, it was just like ooh, a nice long shot to let the actors actors yeah uh, and i like the uh, she's like you want to be baby you should ask Peta. and it's like oh hey it's katniss everdeen nice of you to show up where were you where have you yeah. been you know i didn't check but i would be very curious too i'm going to presume this is a different editor than the first one too probably yeah it's a different director so i'd assume it's a different editor yeah um, but yeah i that i could almost put that in my favorite moments that that first little scene there where she goes to Hamish and then Peter shows up and it's like super stilted. He's just like, would you like some bread, Katniss? And she's like, no, I hated the Hobbit. Thank you. It's like very quickly establishes like this is the new state of their relationship. They're being polite to each other, but it's awkward and tense. Right. It has been for it's like this is six months in, right? About. Yeah. Okay. So effectively, doesn't the movie take place over six months? I guess so. Yeah, because the games are like. Every year or so, yeah, six months yeah. later would be the games. Yeah. Um, did 
did a Caesar Flickerman have a ponytail in the first he movie? Did, I don't I don't know if he has a ponytail. Like I don't know if is it a wig constantly? Like what is this look? It's amazing. <laughs> like Stanley Tucci, I don't know how after these movies you don't a give him his own talk show because he's doing like a dead on like 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 parody of like every talk show host ever, especially Carson. Well, see, but, I I feel like he brought something extra to the role this time. Um, it it seems like he was playing Caesar Flickerman with a little, just a touch of depravity. Like but also he, he, a gun to his head. Well, no, see, I I don't know. I I was conflicted on like where he he stood in like the hierarchy because his he felt like less like a like a Dick Clark type figure and more like this kind of like a sick joke. The way he keeps on like. It's like it's this forced laugh. He's like constantly oh. just like it sounds deranged. And it's yeah. it's like you don't know. It's like, you know, like you said, does he have a gun to his head? Does he have to do this? Or is this just who he is? And like, you know, he has no real emotion for what he does. He's used to just like being friendly with people who are going to die soon. Like well, he, there, he there's a like kind of a a deranged feeling to his whole character in this. The way he's constantly like, you know, every time it gets serious, he has to laugh and, and you know put a positive spin on things well yeah, he, he's basically glamorizing ghosts these people are not going to be here much longer mm. he can say that he got to celebrate their their all too brief life um if you're making a comic book movie and you want to really get me jazzed up when i have like low expectations in the first place don't tell me you're going to cast mark zuckerberg as lex Luthor. tell <laughs> me you're going to cast stanley tucci as like, oh, that'd be a good one, yeah. That'd be fucking amazing. He could finally, <laughs> for the first time in ever, like use his actual hairline. <laughs> like Stanley Seriously. Tucci, I, I was saying this too. Whenever you're like, you know who I should cast? I should cast Mark Strong. I'd say, fuck you, sir. You cast Stanley Tucci instead. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the robot cameras. I like that. Like this felt like the beginning of. Like I almost wonder if Francis Lawrence has kind of an obsession with meta narratives. Because there's this whole thing that continues into the next movie about like kind of creating the story within the movie itself, yeah, and um, like staging everything, I, which I think works because the the books are a lot about that the kind of like unreality of propaganda and entertainment and whatnot. Well, yeah, just yeah, controlling controlling the narrative, like mm-hmm. the fact that they don't <laughs> they don't recruit like uh, Katniss for her fighting skills, yeah. They recruit her just to be the figurehead. Yeah, because she's a useful is figurehead. Is is amazing to me. Also, I'm just I'm more highly affected. I'm down about the fact that we get so little Jenna Malone in the next one, but thank God we have Natalie Dormer. Mm-hmm. Um, so my issue with Peter, we were talking about last night, is on that train scene. He apologizes to Katniss for holding her to unfair expectations, and then like starts to give her shit for like not sharing all her secrets with him, and then follows that up with like cutesy dialogue. But what's your favorite color? Well, no, I think that the reason he's giving her shit is he's like, you need to you need to fill me in on what what we're doing so I can back you up on it. Like he he basically feels responsible for for what just happened because he like he didn't know they were supposed to be, you know, like lovey dovey supporting the capital. He was feeling a little rebellious himself. And had he known that Katniss was like under orders from Snow to make everything totally chill, he wouldn't have done that. So I, I think, think that's this, what that this was is before about. this is before they give the the speech where he gives away the money and they do the eulogy and then the guy gets shot in the head of sure which there's that? no yeah there's and then there's no blood on the the sidewalk afterwards because it's a, it's after that that then she has to break down and tell everyone like 
the snow visited her and blah blah blah. What I took from that scene that wasn't wasn't explicit was more like Peter should have been saying, like, you know, I get that you see me and you're mm-hmm. reminded of what we went through, but you should see me and be reminded of the fact that we're alive or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't I don't think he was making a play. Yeah, you're right. That was before that scene, but um Yeah, I don't I think they they were a little stifled by or or flummoxed by what what to do with Pete in this because he's he's a weird he's in a weird position because i think most people probably see Peta as like the uh the nice guy yeah like that that archetype although yeah. he i feel like he actually isn't i feel like that's actually gale but we're just used to dudes like gale not being that guy um like gale's the one who's been friends forever and has like always wanted it to be more he's actually that character but they play but, him as like the handsome, quiet rogue. Well, because he kind of is, you know. Yeah. And whereas Peta's the kind of like, you know, he's he's shorter, he's not as like tough and you know skillful as Gale. So we kind of assume he's the other type. You know, he's that nice guy character, even though he's not exactly. But I think just like trope wise, mentally, most people just kind of slot him into that. Also, what's kind of humorous to me is that all three of your leads had to dye their hair like the opposite. <laughs> the color. opposite color, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, his his whole line like orange, like the sunset. That that's such a line, you know. It's like, yeah. come on, Vita. I want to know more about the the sexual politics and the mores of the capital. Like we get the the gluttonous practices mm-hmm. when it comes to food and just. I assume it's like a nonstop orgy. I mean, what else are they going to do? I wonder. I mean, granted, there's no real point to showing that. But I wonder: is like Snow's mansion just full of like eyes wide shut, like gangbangs? Well, like. Do they have jobs in the capital? I mean, obviously they have like the people who run the games, but well, yeah, like like where does where does the money come from? What like, makes you rich? Is there are there like a, a barista in the capital? I mean, because they have like Avoxes doing like a lot of the menial stuff, right? Like, does somebody run a Starbucks at the capital? Is that something you can do? Oh, well, like who? All the people that you're sucking up to for money, like in the games, like the people Hamish is trying to mm-hmm. glad hand and yeah. stuff, like. Where does that money come from? And then where does the money go? <laughs> is like, is the capital and the games, are they providing you these like nubile victims to, to slaughter each other? And then also offering you the opportunity to buy like medicine to vigorously apply to their wounds after it's parachuted in? I, I don't know. Um, well, I think I know there's a lot of betting going on. Like that's part of what the, hey, the sponsors are about. Trident boy fucks for information. Yeah. When he's not popping sugar cubes. Right. Um, also, watching J-Law dress as Cleopatra, like, I really want to see her play Elizabeth Taylor. Also, or, like, a, like a remake of, like, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Like, I feel like that she'd kill it in that. Well, see, that, to me, is where this really started to feel surreal, where, like, there's this meta level to it, where, like, the actors have become huge stars mm-hmm. uh, because of these movies. You know, the actors' personal lives are now, like, engineered down to the inch by people just like Effie Trinket, you know? Right. Like, that right. happens in real life. Uh, and then it's happening here. Like when they go to that party, it, it, the fashions don't look that abnormal for something you might see at one of those crazy fashion shows in New York. Right. Um, there's like a, they're from actual like Alexander McQueen, uh, like the collections. Like they're actually designed by, by people who are like Sinus playing. There was a really interesting little moment when she's walking to the party. And I, I'm sure this was calculated. I, I wonder whose idea this was. And it wouldn't shock me if it was J-Law's. As she's walking in, 
there's a dude who just like reaches out and caresses her shoulder as she yeah. walks by. Yeah. And it was like, it was just the, that right amount of creepy. It's like, yes, that's how she's being treated now by people. Yeah. Um, I, I like that little moment. It kind of showed how, what a product she had become. But it's it's really weird to watch that and just think about the actual, you know, Jennifer Lawrence herself as a person and these, you know, these other actors are in it who kind of have a similar life now. You know, right. not not with a Hunger Games aspect to it, but like the kind of managed uh, appearances and whatnot. I don't know. It's, well, I watched it's fun to that. Think about. And in my mind, I flash back to this thing I read of Jessica Alba where she talked about how the Hollywood system is so fucked for, mm-hmm. for actresses that part of your duties is you have to go around and, on like and, private tours schmoozing with like the people who, who give money to the studio and what have you. Mm-hmm. And it's like during the photo ops, you're supposed to look the other way as these guys like grab your ass or try yeah. to bump you or caress you. Be cool while you're getting felt up, basically. Yeah. And then on J-Law herself, it's like, I know, but I don't want to know that according to the media she dated chris martin for a while or like it's it's oh shit is that why cole plays on the soundtrack I wouldn't be no sure. that was before that uh, i would i mean it's it's a humorous funny detail between people but it doesn't need to be a huge news story that she accidentally kissed nally dormer you know <laughs> at, a, at a thing i mean who wouldn't accidentally kiss nally dormer but it's like it's like they're like made that a huge like clickbait article and it's like that's not important <laughs> no I noticed too the score in this movie just feels a lot more present. No it, more it feels like Burnett. a feels like a movie score. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just these early scenes with the Capitol, like they're really bad about like kind of quieting dissent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a classic: the more you tighten your grip, type of situation. Right, like right. if all you do is execute people constantly when they show the slightest bit of uh, you know, gumption, then it, you're only gonna like you know it's you know it's a spark that's only going to catch fire to to use the vernacular of the movie like that's you're not going to shut it down by just like killing people constantly i would have thought you'd be smarter to just disappear them mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly like disappear them and, and have people wonder rather than just like execute them right on stage in the middle of everything also effie's crazy fucking butterfly dress yes. that was some that was like an aria montgomery nightmare <laughs> It's funny you mentioned Twilight earlier. What is it about these YA movies where, like, I feel like they always overdo the waking up screaming from a nightmare scene? Like, it always just <laughs> seems like it's a little too much. Like, uh, what's her face? Case two and, and New Moon. Oh, um, that was over. It's just I mean, maybe there's just no good way to look when you're doing a scene like that because it always just seems like just like histrionics. Don't um, get me wrong. I love I love me some Case two. Mm-hmm. That was like a screamgasm. Well, Jayla, I can't you say she, she was being like having an exorcism performed on her. Jayla is pretty much doing the same thing in this one when she has her like nightmare wake up. It, 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 I feel like she turns the volume down on it after a few seconds where I feel like Case do is just having like a rage like fit. Ah! Ah! Mm-hmm. And then Billy Burke's like, you're all right. Ah! <laughs> um, I love that Woody Harrelson introduces them to some of his old drinking buddies. Yes. And then they, they wrote that into the script. Ah. Oh, and um. When Chaff kisses her, that was another bit where they just wanted to, to fuck with her, basically, because she's a prude. Like, that's why all the victors are doing stuff like that. Mm. Uh, but I did think Jennifer Lawrence did a much better job implying the inner monologue, even if you're not going to have a voiceover. Like, the scene where Peta, he walks off a bit huffy uh, after she suggests they get married. Mm. And 
you you know as the audience now like you get it just by the way the actors react and the way it's framed like nobody needs to say what they mean but they're not just staring blankly anymore like you you instantly get why pete is mad at that and and katniss realizing it Mm. well just they celebrate the idea that you know katniss might actually be thinking things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we may not be privy to those thoughts but they do exist we can't we can't like fetishize more shots of like dirt poor yeah well like, you know coal miners shipper's corner there uh katniss crosses her legs towards Peta during that conversation shit take that as you will uh, caesar flickerman has a bob barker skinny mic i like that <laughs> it's interesting that much like harry potter katniss spends a lot of time being told what to do and then mm-hmm. like trying to decide how she's going to eventually defy all of those marching orders at once Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, can we just talk about how we got to the point of the podcast where we can now talk about Lenny Kravitz getting the shit kicked out of him? Not yet, not yet. We're oh, getting there, though. Uh, but yeah, Bill Seymour Hoffman is just like Seneca decided to quit breathing. <laughs> it's the line is so perfect, and her reaction nails it because she's just like, <laughs> "Yep." <laughs> Well, you know, I do wonder, like, if you hadn't read the books, would he, when he first meets Katniss there at the party, would he come off as menacing or sympathetic? I th- feel like he's doing a very good job of straddling that, where you're right. not really sure if if you didn't know. Right. I mean, he just he just elevates shit immediately as soon as he shows up. And I don't, I don't think even remotely he's what I imagined when I read that character. I don't no, know. His, his character is pretty flat in the book. Um, but I mean, just like like body type alone, I remember when they were cast in the first one, I want to say that I had read something where it was like John C. Riley was going to be Haymitch. And I thought, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, that makes sense. You know? And then it was like, Oh, it's going to be Woody Harrelson. And then I was more like just confused at hearing different names rather than like, does one of these guys fit the mold better? I mean, you mm-hmm. could have had John C. Riley as Haymitch and then cast Woody Harrelson as Plutarch Heavensby. And I would have been like, Plutarch yeah. Heavensby. That sounds about right. Yeah. Also, his plan is some serious, like, ends justify the mean shit. I mean, that's, this is, like, deep cover. He's just like, oh, yeah, there's going to be floggings and executions. You know, he's basically, he's stoking the rebellion by encouraging that, but yeah. it's kind of fucked up. Well, yeah, he's, 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 it's entrapment of the capitals already mm-hmm. in nefarious ways. Yeah. It is an interesting scene when, when Katniss goes into the woods with Gale after she realizes she kind of failed to convince President Snow at the party. Like, he wants her to love him, but he's more interested in the rebellion. And it, she basically comes off as selfish, which she is to some extent. Um, it's interesting that they'll take the protagonist there. Like she's her character arc is essentially becoming a less selfish person. Yeah. Even well, if it's her own good intentions and, and being selfish, but it's like she's basically having to grow out of that. Well, like reading this one, I remember thinking like, well, I wonder if the third book ends of her dying. Mm-hmm. Um also, Gail, you know, he needs to know everything's at stake, especially since he's seeing it on the ground level of, like, Dust Bowl District 12. Mm-hmm. And yet he still takes the shot of, like, well, are you sure your new fiancé won't mind? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, just wanted her, I wanted her to be like, fuck you. Fuck Well, I just feel like, I thought we already had this conversation, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Six months in, I think we've had this conversation ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. They should have thrown that in the line, like, like Gail. As I've told you a million goddamn times. <laughs> Fuck you. It is interesting. Like, Katniss as a protagonist in general, especially in this third book, 
she goes in a really weird direction. She doesn't get the Luke Skywalker treatment. It's not like there there isn't really a happy ending for her, as right. we'll see in the next movies. Like it's maybe more realistic, mm-hmm. you know, and like, hey, this is what had happened to a person who's been traumatized multiple times in like a crazy, you know, fight to the death. Um, but it is. I mean, this movie was number one in the year. It's like the first time in like 40 years that a female protagonist was like the star of the, the number one movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's there is kind of a a larger kind of, you know, message, you know, just with this movie in general. This is like, you know, one of the first big female led movies in a long time. And the way they take the character is interesting. Mm-hmm. Thank God we have it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I would appreciate Maze Runner more if the guy was a girl. I don't know, man. Supposedly those books are decent, but those Maze Runner movies. So are the bad. the the best part of the second one is Rosa Salazar, and I have to wonder: is her character? Is anyone actually? Is anyone listening to this actually read those books? I have to wonder if her character is as prominent in the in the book as she is in the second movie, or if they just realize this actress is amazing, like compared to like these sticks in the mud. Um, also the death cure is a horrible title for just about anything. The less said about the maze runner, the better. Yeah. Um, I found I had a hard time taking the, uh, fake stormtroopers in this seriously because of their <laughs> tight pants. Like I, don't know, I was just like staring at like their like tight pants the whole time. Like they have these kind of armor breastplate backplate things on, but then they just have like these like weird, like spandex pants. I don't know. It was weird. Big, big spinal piece mm-hmm. i remember um yeah i agree i didn't like the cut of their gym no they looked goofy I, I wouldn't be able to take those guys seriously i kept wondering like why doesn't somebody just like frag a commander thread there or whatever's name, you know that head, guy head peacekeeper. is so comically hardcore <laughs> like I, i'm just surprised that like like, if a guy that bad showed up in the district, they just wouldn't fucking murder him. Like, maybe that would just bring more, you know... Well, I think the key is... More down on them. He brings his own troops. It's yeah. It's not yeah. even, like, the local peacekeeper troops. But <laughs> what else is like, don't you recognize her? And he's like, no, I don't watch a lot of TV. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of TV. Uh, I hope I get to flog somebody. I really like it. You can't tell because of my tight pants, but I am very erect. I think in Gale, like, I don't know if he's being brave or just stupid when he, like, tackles that dude. Also, oh, that you like know, 50 Peacekeeper Stormtrooper troops around who could have stopped him. That is different from the book, actually. That's another change where he he basically he comes back and tries to sell his shit to one of the Peacekeepers, like sell like a, like a turkey he killed or something. And it's like the new guy. And so he's kind of like busted. It's not like he like decides to rebel because you would think they would have just shot him. Yeah, yeah, in the head, right there. Yeah, I did like uh, Thread's line. He's like, next time it's a firing squad. And Hamish is like, that's a good idea. There's a great double edge to that. Yeah. You, you really want to see Thread get like executed in the next movie. Next time, it's the firing squad. It's like every word is painful. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you get that Katniss and Prim scene, like gathering the snow. It's just like foreshadowing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... Uh... When we saw the trailer yesterday for Mockingjay mm-hmm. Part 2, it was like, oh, yeah, they're definitely going with the ending mm-hmm. of Prim. Yeah. Well, it's like, also, I had to wonder, is the line, I don't remember from the book, when uh, she delivers her eulogy, her 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 eulogy, um, 
is that line like a dig at the racist? Like, uh, like I see Rue and my sister. Like, is that from the book? It probably is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because she did. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rue was small and reminded her. But of I her just sister. I remember all of those screen caps from those articles where these assholes are like, "Excuse me, why is Rue black?" And it's like, well, because that's how, that's one of the few things the book or the movie got right about the book. That's why. One of the very few things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I, I like how Plutarch Heavensby is he's so good that somehow Snow's letting him his game maker like decide domestic policy for him basically. After yeah, yeah, after <laughs> the shit with the previous game maker. What do you how do you like what do you major in well, to become just, a game maker? Like this, what is your career path? This just makes me think like what what else even goes on in the capital besides the games every year? It's like, do you, do you have a, no other concerns running the government? You just let your games maker run your country, basically? Right. Well, I mean, is Plutarch, like, hard to imagine that five years ago I was an assistant manager at a Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And now I'm glamorizing murder games. So, you're like, upper, upper division college courses and, like, uh, you know, like, murder snares and, you know, like... Like, what would you even study to be a game maker? I mean, obviously, there's like the technical side of it. It's like psychology right. of, uh, you know, survival. And well, like uh, torture. On, your on your vocation placement test, like, can you score a certain point where like your your career advisor's like, listen, Chuck, you're going to be the guy who gets the cannon ready. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's all you're going to be. That's a pretty good gig. I mean, if you can get it. <laughs> I guess. You got to take a test. Meanwhile, you got to take that government test and you got to pass that. You know, it's not anyone can do it, but you get that gig. You're pretty much set up. Is it a civil service job? I wonder. But like, meanwhile, you got the guy who's like sculpting mutations out of like 3D parameters. I don't know how you code that and throw mm -hmm. in the, the danger room. That's what just drives me nuts. That part from the first one. That's the most yeah. infuriating. After, after what's his name? Dressing himself up like a rock in the river or whatever. <laughs> it's like, how do you just concoct that and then fling it in there and then it's a real thing that they have to deal with like mm -hmm. but i i like the clock thing in the arena this one i thought it was clever oh yeah the we'll get to that in a bit but yeah the the arena is so much cooler um i like how like they actually showed effie being like a normal human and like sad at the reaping mm -hmm. uh because and it's it's kind of funny because you're always wondering it's like is she just sad because like She's, you know, only going to have Katniss to work with for one year rather than several or, you know, how much does she really care? But well, like, is that an elected position? I wonder, like, I is know. she is she like the Senator Palpatine of this group? I mean, does, does she just represent them in this thing or is she also? Oh, there's not like no, she's just like their handler. OK, basically. Um, I did like how she's talking about how, like, oh, the capital sparing no expense. It just kind of makes me wonder. Never think about it. like. This movie has a bigger budget, so they rebuilt the training center with better sets now. They have like a crazy danger room. Yeah. Well, like, do you someday is your hope as an Effie Trinket to someday retire and and maybe get a job like uh uh what the fuck is the other guy's name? Not not Caesar Flickman, but uh Oh, the other one? Yeah, the other one. Jim I don't Capote. think so. I feel like it's just all about like just going to capital parties and stuff. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I could see, we're like, you know, we're football players. Like, that's your hope. Write a book and then, like, be the guy on Sunday who's, like, mm -hmm. analyzing other players doing shit. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you're hosting Regis and Kathy Lee. I don't know. Um, There's some serious trailer lines in this movie. Uh, all this stuff with Snow at the beginning. And then I think it's 
Hamish is like, I want you to forget everything you think you know about the games. It's like that <laughs> that is just there so they can put it in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they did good though. I mean, like I said, I think the first one ended with Gary Ross like really thinking Ooh, the next movie. I'm going to dive into the mindset of snow. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they did Donald Sutherland's character wrong. You know, but it was like less is more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, in Cinna, I know you want to talk about him. There's a there's a scene, I think it's where they're getting on their chariots, mm-hmm. where it's like, I think Lenny forgot to take off his headband, like from like the rock concert he just walked out of. Because like suddenly he's not dressed like normal Cinna, who's just like very understated. Right. He has on like this like crazy headband and a huge medallion and stuff. I wonder if Lenny was like, "You guys can't throw me like a slot on the soundtrack." Really? I could, He's I could. like, "You threw Coldplay a slot." Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you guys don't want to reuse like "Fly Away." Really? It's got. It's like, I can play it for you like, right now. It has one riff. Uh, I want to fly away. I want to. I want to get away. I mean, that's some mm-hmm. serious poetry, guys. Yeah. What about my, uh, my you know, my like for the Mocking Jay, she's flying away. My cover of American Woman. Come on. <sighs> <laughs> I remember Katniss. Today's about making allies and dude pukes. <laughs> I really like that. That to me suggests like a sense of humor in the the filmmaking that was just absent before. No, but seeing Cinna getting the shit kicked out of him not only made me laugh because. Something about, I don't know, Lenny Kravitz like getting beat up was funny. But also because it is such a great like mind fuck. Oh, right before she enters. Yeah, right like like five seconds before she's thrust into the games. Do you notice that Katniss has a diamond encrusted eyeliner on for her interview? No, I didn't. Like in the wedding dress. It's a pretty insane get up. Um, I, the, I I really like the interview sequence too, where like Joanna Mason just goes out there and starts like dropping f bombs left and right. Oh, this is so this was a great opportunity to bleep it too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Caesar Flickerman's just like, "All right, then, one woman's opinion." Yeah. <laughs> or does he, does he say that there, or does he say it when uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright is uh, like talking about how the quarter quill rules are written by men and men can rewrite the rules? Well, he says one woman's opinion about Joanna okay. like, going off. Yeah, but yeah, Jeff- the, the way he has to like put up with them all being super rebellious is funny. I I don't think enough like praise is given to Jeffrey Wright in general for like the character work he does in movies constantly. I think the only time I didn't like him was in Shaft. Yeah, but I feel like if that if that movie had come out now, he would be vilified so hardcore for playing a Latin character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is good at what he does. It's just the, I mean, the movie's a mess. I mean, I feel like Christian Bale would like to have that movie burned. Everyone wants that movie burned. It wasn't very good, but yeah, normally Jeffrey Wright, he's good. He's, he just he he absolutely delivers whatever he needs to. Can't say enough good things about him in Quantum of Solace. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's my favorite Felix Lander by far. <laughs> um. Also, when when Jenna Malone tells you love is weird, I believe it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I, just looking at some of Plutarch's dialogue here, it's he's basically like voicing Katniss's fears, mm-hmm. and I think it's a really smart idea because Philip Seymour Hoffman he can just sell anything, right? Uh, so yeah, he he just works really well. Yeah. So when they get to the games, though, did was it me or did the race of the cornucopia feel a little bit green screeny? Yeah. There's something just slightly artificial about that sh- those shots. I would say I did like the 
the tweaks to the cornucopia, even though it wasn't gold. Well, this arena is so much better. Yeah. it's This feels like an arena. Like, Seneca Crane, you sucked. Like, your arena was just like the forest. You mm-hmm. know, whereas this, like, it actually feels like a crazy death trap, like, battle mode arena. Right. Well, it, it's it's so smart, I think, with, like, your 12 different zones, and it's based on mm-hmm. times, and it's hourly. So you really, like, like the, the first one, presumably the games lasted for, what, like, a week and a half? There's one point where, yeah, like, where like Peter's been asleep for like three days or what mm-hmm. have you. Yeah, they and last a while. And I feel like that's. I mean, eventually that would wear wear thin. I think with your your viewing public, but well, this these one, games go pretty quickly. These are much faster than usual. It's like yeah. three days basically. Yeah. You know, one thing I did wonder we're talking about like Caesar Flickerman and like whose side is he on? He makes sure to like call out Cinna mm-hmm. when she shows off her Mockingjay dress. He's like, stand up and take credit for it. Like, I don't know. I don't trust the Caesar Flickerman guy. I can't remember oh. if he's ever he ever comes up in the book. You think he's very effectively putting the target on Cinna's back? Or on his Intentionally head? or not, he is. Yeah, like, yeah. He, he basically, like, sentences that dude in, in case, like, he wasn't already in trouble. He, he points him out. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy right. your moment of glory. You're about to get killed. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> excuse me. I feel like these arenas, the actors had to appreciate that. You're filming most of the movie in like boring, like Jersey and boring Atlanta. And then it's like, let's all go to Hawaii. <laughs> Run through the jungle. So is President Snow, like, is he president for life? Is there a secession think, process? I would, I would think he's president. Like, was his life. dad president? I've always kind of wondered, like, how that works. Hmm. I don't know. I really wanted Phoenix Trident to be like the King Triton style. Mm-hmm. Like like a classic trident, like it's more of like a halberd almost. Mm-hmm. Release the kraken. Like it's not. It seems like a little short for a trident. It's more like a spear. Um, yeah, but at least he uses it. Although it would have been funny to see him using the net too. I I liked how you had a very like good just tumbling action sequence. Like it like. Set piece begat, set piece begat, mm-hmm. set piece, as they made their way basically down the hill into the water. Um, I kind of, I to me, that was the part where I felt like it was most Michael Arndt, mm. and like yeah. it reminded me a little bit of like like some Star Wars action set pieces. Katniss is she falls asleep while keeping keeping watch. Way to go, Katniss! Yeah, your your uh, you know allies are relying on you there and not getting it done. I kind of wish their uniforms were color coded because it like in some of those night shots, it's kind of hard to tell Peta and Finnick apart. Mm-hmm. Their their hair is similar, you mm-hmm. know, like some of those like long shots. It's just like black and gray. Um, I want to say in the book they are like their colors are green for District 12 or something like that. It would make a lot of sense to me to have them all have different colored uniforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have more branding opportunities. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Marketing. Uh, <laughs> that's i mean i think we were talking about the heather on the harry potter ones where it's like that's one of the genius things about the different houses in hogwarts mm-hmm. so the, the 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 other tribute uh who was in i think joanna's district is his name is blight who hmm. the fuck names their kid blight yeah like what kind of name is that it's like naming your kid plague <laughs> it's like naming your kid bane mm-hmm 
Yeah, I really enjoyed all the action stuff in the arena. It all just worked really well. It's kind of like one set piece after another. One thing that did feel a bit odd was when they're on the spinning cornucopia mm-hmm. and they're all like hanging on. And it really seems like if you fall off that thing, you're dead. Right. And then they have Katniss fall off and she's fine. That was just kind of weird to me. I don't like like a cheat. It's like, oh, no, she's fine. Well, it's like, I kind of feel bad that you struggled so hard to hang on. Yeah, you all should just let go. I mean, on one hand, I liked it because I like I, I, the first Star Trek re- reboot. Like there's two or three times where Chris Pine is like hanging over the edge of something. Mm-hmm. Always managed to pull himself back up. And it's just like it feels so generically heroic. Well, it's like the the trait of all successful heroes are like amazing hand and arm muscles. Yeah. Yeah. But the kind of like, shit forever. You wouldn't be able to use your arm for the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're incredibly de- dehydrated. Yeah. There's a little bit of a weird thing where, like, the, the force fields that keep them in the Jabberjay wedge there, mm-hmm. they don't hurt to touch. Right. The others, know. the others will shock you across the room. Yeah. yeah, I think in the book it's like actually like just like a plastic like wall. Basically, yeah, I thought it was like a, like a glass wall or something. Mm-hmm. Well, in the movie, it, it it like shimmers weirdly, like they're they're touching like. Like some sort of field or something. I don't know. Right. Well, she like thunks her head on it. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's weird how the movie, like that part there where I don't remember who, but somebody says something like, well, where do you think they got the audio from? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, which, you know, makes a lot of sense. And then Jenna Malone's like, yeah, they love your sister. They wouldn't touch her hair on her fucking head. And it's like, you're both right. But it's like the fact that, that neither of those cancel each other out enough mm-hmm. still like leaves me uncomfortable. <laughs> and that's one of the smart things about the book is that you have no idea what's going on in the rest of the world. When I do like but it's up and around. They still gave uh, Joanna Mason her line about like there's nobody left um, that she would care about or, or whatever line is. It works a little better in the book because she's going to head back into the, the, the Jabberjay wedge. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, no, you know, like, you know. You know, you can't go in there. It'll drive you insane. She's just like, no, there, there's no one left. Like, <laughs> it won't have any effect on me. Right. Also, I feel like Francis Lawrence was smart about the, you know, like once we're into this like nonstop action set piece of like the arena, I don't even have the time nor the inclination to cut to like images of Gale like shoveling pig shit or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you get a few cutaways here and there to Snow or to Plutarch, but it, you feel much more in the arena and what's going on there. Like, I don't think you get Haymitch at all, which I think is smart because um, right. they they feel more isolated in the games. Um, also, R.I.P. Hamish's buddy Chaff. Yeah. P.S. Who, na- who the fuck names her kid Chaff? Yeah. <laughs> Chaff is bad. It sounds way too much like Chafe. Um, oh, you we were talking the last episode about like they need the the Gale buddy. Mm-hmm. My casting selection would be the dude from Agents of Shield who died halfway through last season. What's his name? Uh, with oh, the beard. Uh, Trip. Trip. Yeah, like just like shit, Gale. <laughs> That's gotta hurt. That's your yo, girl, bro. Yo, that sucks, man. Ooh, bro, how you feeling? Yeah. Hurts, don't it? Hurts, don't <laughs> it? Hurts, don't it? Dude, what's it like watching her kiss that guy? Also, dude, you missed a spot when you were like shoving up all that shit over there. You missed yeah. a spot. Hurts, don't it? Yeah. <laughs> and you fucking face scale. Uh, I I thought the getting rescued by hovercraft at the end, like a dead tribute, that was a nice touch. Yeah, I yeah. was like, this is. She's seen what her ultimate doom that she's always expected would be, you know, like getting, well, getting like taken up by the, the hovercraft. Yeah. Yeah. She's resigned to it. 
pretty subtle work by Joanna to cut out the tracker. I totally missed that when she did it. Like I'd, I'd forgotten that that was like a little plot point that she did. It was very smart. Well, it's it's not just smart. She cuts it out of her arm and then she touches her neck, so it looks like well, her she makes it look like the blood. Slid. Yeah, it was a throat slit. And so the others just run right past. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's so good. I really like the last shot of this movie. Which, I mean, this movie opens and closes on shots of Katniss. That's nice. Uh, and then just the last shot where she's kind of transitioning into fury, not just at the Capitol, but also at her allies, because they've kind of betrayed her, too. But, right. you know, they they never told her the plan, and they just need her for a symbol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I have it in my notes, but I love the last shot of this movie. I'd mm-hmm. like to think that J-Law really slapped Woody Harrelson. I can um, see it. Um... Also, a little too much, I thought, with like the morphing Mockingjay graphic. That went on a little long. You're like, what, like what, what is happening here? It's like, we get it. Yeah. We get it. And then, and, you know, it's, it's one thing to have to deal with all these weird morphing pin graphics, but then a Coldplay song? <laughs> a little much, guys. That's <laughs> my last note is just fucking Coldplay? Question mark. <sighs> why, don't you, why don't you play that fucking like fix you song and just yeah. make it even more annoying? What do you think about the big romantic moment with Peta and Katniss here, um, where you know the, the nobody nobody needs me, I need you. What do you think of that? Oh, it's okay. I mean, it's it's understated. I think it it works. I guess it's it's hard to communicate visually as much like that. This is real. Well, it's like it, more, you you know more. in the book that like no, this is real. She's not just doing this for the cameras. Yeah. Right. If they had done more work, that moment would have fucking killed. I guess maybe it's just the visual medium. It kind of makes everything seem real. Yeah. Like even even in the first movie when you know she's doing it for the camera, it kind of feels real anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's I don't know, that that's tough to communicate. But this is this is her falling for Peta here, and I I like there's a bit in the book where like he gave her that locket to kind of like convince her to let him help her, and it has the exact opposite effect. You know. Mm-hmm. She's like more con- more committed than ever to saving him when he's trying to save her. It's just it's an interesting thing with the ruse uh, that they're playing with the locket is is basically like a smuggled in symbol to convince her of something, mm-hmm. and then like the 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 bracelet that ends yeah. up on Finnick's wrist, um, which is funny because Finnick has two. It's like almost like Woody Harrelson knew that it would take two times before. <laughs> Katniss believed him. Well, and it's like everybody's in on the plan. Seemingly, even Peta. It kind of seems like Peta's sort of in on it. Katniss is definitely not in on it. I, actually, I want to say, at least in the book, I don't think Peta was in on it just because they wanted their reactions to be realistic. Mm-hmm. But everybody else, you know, like half the tributes are in on it, and uh, they keep Katniss well, totally in the dark. I like his line about like Hamish made me certain promises too. Mm-hmm. Um. But it, what strikes me is, you know, how stupid the capital is. I get the idea, like, okay, they're watching Katniss like a hawk. They're watching Peter like a hawk. We have cameras everywhere. We can't let them on the plan. Like, their their reactions have to be genuine. But it's like, you're not also following, like, the guy whose whole job is to, like, wheel and deal and scheme for her? Maybe not. I mean, Plutarch has some influence there, right? So he could be guiding things as well. There's There's a whole resistance in the capital, so they could be helping out with that. Uh, all right. Well, I think uh, that about wraps up the general discussion. At least, Casey had any more thoughts? No, no. So, make one change. What would you change if you could change one thing? Uh, I'm going to stick with my usual, uh, 
just Gale filthy dirt. Like like like, like a you just want Gale dirt. to be dirtier. <laughs> just like, I want to hit more, more covered in soot. Yeah. I want like if he could also like the one time he relents to like look over at a monitor of Katniss doing something with uh, Peta, he also slips and falls face down some more muck. Because <laughs> you know he's a strong, silent type. Yeah. Uh, if I could change one thing, there was a bit from the book I wish they could have included. Basically, they, Katniss and Peeta blow off their interview prep mm-hmm. uh, after the skills test, and they basically spend all day having a picnic on the roof. And it's it's not, it's not, or at least, I mean, it, it's romantic in the sense that we're watching it, but it's not intended, like, the two characters aren't considering it romantic. It's just, like, a, a nice platonic uh, moment for them. But, like... It's a really nice char- character moment. You see them growing closer, and you see obviously that even even though Katniss may not be overtly thinking about Peta romantically, it's it's starting to blossom there. You know, right. um, and then like they they spend all day on the roof, and then at night, uh, she 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 like she hadn't had him come back to her bed in a long time because she knew it wasn't fair to him. And then she she asked him back anyway. So in that. It seems like they they're really trying to downplay Peta a little bit in this movie to to build up Gale, and I feel like the mix was off a little. You need a little bit more Peta, so the romance felt more realistic. Also, if it's a TV show version, you want that scene where like the two bros have to interact with each other. Yeah, yeah, you, you needed that scene, or the, the Peta and Gale have to kind of. The only be thing cool. I ever liked about Riley Finn. Was when him and Angel had that fight. But just because Angel can make fun of him. Yeah. Yeah. You oh, actually date you this actually guy? sleep with this guy? Yeah. No, Angel actually goes there. He says sleep with, not yeah. Date. Yeah, not cool Angel. <laughs> but I feel like it's so much more biting. Like I I as the viewer who wasn't particularly Team Angel ever before <laughs> was just like, nice one. You're not even this cool in your own show, Angel. Yeah. Alright, so power rankings. Joanna Mason, number one. Really? I went with Katniss. I feel like Katniss, she's she's so much better and improved. They got to give her the number one spot. Katniss is my number two. My number two is Finnick. Okay, because I he just has like like a lot of good hero moments. He kind of when you first are introduced to him, he just seems like kind of like this like sleazy dude, mm-hmm. but then he's like super dependable and like you know and he sacrifices his his own tribute there. Max gives herself up for Peta and like. He saves Peter's life. Like, I don't know. Like, Finnick, he showed up. What I like about the casting of that guy, which I talked about at the end of the last one, is that he, you know, he was such a fucking like coat hanger or whatever in the, uh, in the Snow White and the Huntsman movie. Mm-hmm. He's great in this one. He's a weird looking guy. He's got strange teeth. He doesn't look like a hero. I mean, like, uh, if he never actually says any dialogue, the guy who looks like Gale looks like your typical leading man type. Mm-hmm. This guy just is goofy looking, and yet he's still like I believe his whole like golden boy, mm-hmm. like Aquaman fucking for secrets, but he like loves this girl. He's like cool with this old woman who has some kind of disability that's like, you know, unknown. Yeah, I like him a lot. He's not my number two though, but I like him a lot. Yeah. Well, my number three is Joanna because I mean, Joanna's just so much fun. She is so much fun, and she. She casts a large shadow. Like she's there's a lot of life. I feel like her and Finnick, they inject a lot of life. My number three is too dark, heavens be. I can't argue that. I have him lower, but uh Plutarch, he he makes his presence known for sure. Mm. Uh, my number four is Hamish. My number four is Hamish as well. Yeah. It's, it's Hamish is solid and dependable. Mm-hmm. 
he always brings it. And I, I like the way how he, he knows more than maybe anyone else, like how to keep Katniss in line, because they are very similar in a lot of ways. Well, even the things that like, like, I feel like logically are confusing. He still nails like the uh, when they're at District 11 and he's just like giving her shit for like, mm-hmm. who's going to protect these people? Yeah. I don't feel like he ever cared before, but now it's like I believe him when he's just like, hey, dummy, who's going to protect these people? Like, you're not making this better. Well, Woody Harrelson's he's the perfect person to cast where when you need a character to be smarter than they look. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He uh, he is the the intellectual dummy, I think, mm-hmm. the 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 blue collar dummy. What a weird filmography Woody Harrelson has, from like <laughs> Cheers to Kingpin to True Detective to God, so many fucking weird things. Mm-hmm. To wrestling oh. like shirtless on a beach with Owen Wilson. Speaking of uh, him and Joanna Mason, there uh, the moment where she winks at him in the elevator, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so saucy. I'm, I'm and he's just like grinning like yeah <laughs> i kind of wonder like now that we know that there's been some some socializing amongst like the the lifelong victors i always kind of wonder like i want to hear I, more about that i feel like they've all fucked each other that's just my personal headcanon <laughs> um but i'm also very curious about the uh, uh like the, the timing like how long ago was Joanna a victor? How long ago was Oh, she's like early 20s, I think. So well, probably Finnick, like six or seven years. Finnick was when he was like, what did they say, 14? 14, so like 10 years ago about, yeah. He was the youngest like at that age. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, obviously Mags was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, I'm just, I'm curious about like a general timeline of all that. I'm, I'm fascinated that the Capitol would let Jeffrey Wright's character win 100 games. Well, he did it by electrocuting like six people. But I mean, you know, since you know it's so programmed to a, to a certain extent, like, you know, he's not like their media hero type. Right. I think the Capitol, it seems like they probably don't usually get that involved. Like Katniss was kind of a a rarity just in like the whole situation of PETA and whatnot, like the, her defiance. Like I think the Capitol usually like as long as they have one victor, they're pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only time they like did anything was like when like one of the careers turned into like a cannibal. And it's just like, like went like off, you know, it just went like totally off the rails. Like they basically like engineered an avalanche to take that dude out. Cause like, they're like, yeah, we can't have this guy winning, you know, like, like cannibalism is like the one thing that they're not cool with in the games. Can't be selling t-shirts of his picture on. That's a funny yeah. thing too. It's like that if this was like set during modern times, people would be wearing Katniss t-shirts, but because mm-hmm. the fashion is so bonkers, they can't do something like that. It's like, there's nothing really sold. It seems like there'd be some t-shirt that's just like you know be the best you you can be unless you can be katniss everdeen then be katniss like shit like that or be the katniss you want to see yeah in the world. yeah mm-hmm. um, uh where are we number five yeah who do you have <laughs> i have finnick there okay i have effie there i liked effie in this movie she's good she's like we are a team she had some real emotion yeah uh, yeah i had plutarch at number six at number six i had this is gonna blow your mind mm-hmm. i had cinna Oh, I feel like he just had that because he gets beaten to death. I really do. But it was effective, though. It was <laughs> the same way I didn't give a shit about Seneca Crane until he walks home and like mm-hmm. finds the berries. Um, my number seven is Snow. I have President Snow as seven as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even, even though I had him higher last time, I feel like he's much improved this time. It's just everybody else has improved, too. 
I just like there's a there's a like a sick demented glee to everything mm-hmm. about Donald Sutherland, even when he plays a hero. Like when he, I mean, I love his invasion of the body snatchers. <laughs> I can't buy a guy who looks like that as a protagonist, but I really want to see President Snow like just bring like a glass of wine to his lips and just be like, "Can you imagine how fucked up Kiefer Sutherland's childhood was?" Mm-hmm. Can you? Personally, um, I, I'm not a fan of that invasion of the body snatchers. I, I prefer the original. It's good too. Uh, number eight is my uh, is Effie. Oh, I have Peta. Okay, Peta's my number nine. BT is my number nine. Uh, Jeffrey Wright there. Oh, that's a good one. I he's not on my list. I wish I wish I had thought of him. Uh, I might bump my number ten just to put Jeffrey Wright on there. You know who's not on mine at all? We have not mentioned their name at all. W- would it be Gail? No, Gail's my number ten. Gail's your ten? Oh wow. Yeah. Who I do you not have at all? We have not mentioned Amanda Plummer at all. <laughs> Amanda Plummer as herself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I have Mags at 10. I like Mags. Uh, okay. Gail, sorry you didn't make the list. Maybe next time, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to bump Gail and put Jeffrey Wright. That's, that feels right. Okay. Better look next time. Yeah, maybe. Sorry, Gail. Maybe, maybe in Mockingjay Part 3, you'll matter to me. Doesn't he like, end up with Joanna Mason at the end or something? Let's or maybe like. Sully. Her or, I don't know. I'll, I'll find out when I read Mockingjay. I don't even remember. Um, but yeah, so that doesn't he get? Doesn't he like get written off off screen? He just kind of fades away after a while in the book, from what I remember. I think Katniss well, like oh, Katniss kind of blames him for the the bombs right. that kill her sister. Well, it's like she doesn't. <laughs> it's like she, like they can't have a final scene with him because she'll kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's a weird place to go if you're love triangle, I feel like. <laughs> Alright, well that was Catching Fire. Uh, next week, Mockingjay Part 1. It's funny how the, the first two franchises we're doing both did the uh, split the last book in two. Yeah. I thought it was necessary for the Hunger Games. I'm not totally convinced. Or I'm sorry, necessary for Harry Potter. I'm not convinced it's necessary for the Hunger Games. I, I... Especially because that last book was so bad, it seemed like a good opportunity to like rewrite it a little for the screen and like make it better well the like, the book is bloated i I, I wouldn't say bloated i just thought it was bad i just thought the direction they took the character in was bad personally um but but uh they we'll they invented or showed you a lot of those things that were off screen uh for mockingjay part one is what i remember like the whole mission to rescue Peta. mm-hmm mm-hmm that, but it's like the stuff that I enjoyed that I don't feel like you saw as much in the book was the whole like crafting the commercials and things like that. I feel like you could have fit the whole Mockingjay Part 1 into like 40 minutes of a movie if you wanted to. But we'll we'll get to that next time. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, we'll be back to do Mockingjay Part 1. And then the timing should line up just right to do Mockingjay Part 2 after the movie comes out. Yep. Until then, have a good one. Peace. Bye. Bye. Thank you.